Waddle and Sylvie are back. Are back. Follow the show on Twitter at Waddle and Sylvie and at T Waddle 87. This is ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Waddle and Sylvie, Black and Aki filling in until we get to 6 o'clock tonight. If you missed Waddle and Sylvie, they were on this morning, up early. That's right, they were in for Cap and Jay Hood. They're, they're switching and well, spring training yeah. preview. Preview. Next preview. week. Yes, Tuesday. Every Tuesday in March. You ready? I don't have a choice. <laughs> Black and Aki in for Waddle and Sylvie here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. How about that? Once again, get used to it, baseball fans. The White Sox win here on the White Sox radio network. They win 6-4 to four over the Reds in spring training in a snappy two hours and 26 minutes of game time. As Len Casper would say, there was a lack of lollygagging. That's right. Charlie, can we get the screen? A lack of there lollygagging. A lack of lollygagging. How about that? So, so I mean, when you look at the new rules in baseball, uh, the, the shift being banned, uh, the pitch clock, uh, these games fly by. And, w- and what I've noticed sitting here listening to these games and watching these spring training games is basically, unless there is a major rally that takes place offensively, the innings go by so quick. So, so quick. To peel back the curtain, what we do here is we try to project when we are going to go on the air, yeah. right? Like we're so I think it was what three o'clock, and we had just finished the first three innings of the game. Yeah, it was, and it uh, felt normal baseball pace from bo- last year. The bottom of the third was finishing up at around like an hour and five right. minutes, and in like I think the the rule of thumb usually for baseball games is like every three hours or every hours about mm-hmm. three innings of uh, action, right? And mm-hmm. then unless it got. You know, unless there was a really slow inning, right? Uh, mixed Some in pitch there. changes, yeah, pitching so changes. You and I are having a conversation, right. and all of a sudden, I go off and I'm doing a little bit of work on the side, and then I hear Lens say, "Time to stretch," and I'm like, <laughs> "Where did this game go?" <laughs> right, exactly. No one scored. All the scoring was early, right. in the contest, and then as we get to the later innings, there was one run scored by the Reds in the eighth, but basically beyond the third inning, there were no runs scored. And so the fourth, fifth, and sixth happened quickly. The seventh, eighth, ninth. I mean, the eighth and the ninth took like 15 minutes right. total with yeah. commercial breaks. Two and a half hours. And uh, here we are. It, it's wild. So uh, get used to it, baseball fans. And I see some people in the Twitch chat already uh, making the statement that the pitch clock uh, addition to Major League Baseball is the best change to pro sports that we've seen in quite some time. I would agree. Like, I, I'm trying to think of some of the other notable ones in, in my lifetime. I'm trying to even think, like, what what's a, a big one that's happened? I'm sure the NFL has done some stuff. I would imagine the NFL equivalent would be something with, like, defensive holding as a, a, a cornerback, a mm-hmm. safety. Like, you know, you're not allowed to touch a wide receiver anymore. Right. And thus, the ability for wide receivers to move freely and the protection of the quarterback in the pocket has allowed the scoring to go uh, way up in the NFL. And it's a part of why people love uh, football so much. So I, I think that is what you'd have to look at for the equivalent. If you look at another one, Hawkeye and tennis, 
the the replay system where yeah. it's quick reviews, right? You you get a couple claps in, everyone's clapping, and then all of a sudden you get the the spot on the court. Well, you're right on that because tennis is the, like that's the one thing where you look at other sports like football. And you say, like, how can tennis have the technology to immediately right. tell you whether or not a serve that was going 150 miles per hour was in or out based mm-hmm. on this little sliver of uh, camera that could pick off whether yeah. or not the tennis ball hit that piece of the court? Like, why can't we institute something like that in the NFL so you could know on out of bounds uh, if a foot is in, whether or not the, the ball crosses the plane? Why can't we have that same technology for that sport? Because you're right, tennis does it the best. It's fast. It, it's the best technology it's we have in all of sports. Yeah, you're and right. And it's not even close. Hands down. As someone who like has picked up watching tennis in the last mm-hmm. couple of years, like I really enjoy watching tennis. And you're right. It's there. There's a close call. They go right to the monitor. They tell you immediately, and boom, on to the next thing. Right. I love. I love. It's just because, like, I, I'm like you. I casually watch tennis. I don't watch it to formulate thoughts and opinions. I just I watch it to watch it. Yeah. In fact, one of my favorite things about tennis is the buffer point when the, the match starts, finding out which player is which. Like, unless it's Nadal or something like that. Cause I, know, I, don't I know, know what you mean. I don't know who's, unless it's like Nadal or Kyrgios or something like that, someone I don't know. Yes. It's that buffer point of seeing who is who, figuring out who's on which side of the court. During the Aussie Open, and I'm, I'm sure Sylvie will go nuts if he knows that we're breaking down tennis. <laughs> Here on uh, on a Friday, but I, what's funny about that is I watched the the Aussie Open almost every single night it was mm-hmm. on, and the your point of trying to figure out who is who when because there uh, I would say before the round of sixteen there were a lot of Americans that were winning matches and advancing like the round of thirty two mm-hmm. and all those different spots along the way, and there were multiple situations where it was two Americans and it was very. Uh, it wasn't clear who was who, right? Right, because like sometimes you can tell based on what they're wearing, match mm-hmm. with like, okay, he's he's a European guy, so maybe he's wearing that brand, right? Like right. some of the branding is different, exactly. And and it's like you're right during you the Aussie Open, point. it was like buffer sets <laughs> yes. before I realized who was who and who was like actually the guy that you should be like paying attention to as the better tennis player. Like you're right, that that is certainly something, but. Uh, like over the last couple of years, for some reason, you you mentioned like the idea that we don't have to talk about it. So I'm just interested in watching something that I just it's like mindless. I yeah. can just watch it and it just like goes in my brain and then leaves. Right. And there's no like I don't have there's to maybe have maybe a little impression that it leaves. Yeah. But I mean, my overarching impression is why don't we have more tennis like technologies sure. across sports? And the pitch clock isn't necessarily a technology as opposed to a rule change. But it's all about advancement of the sport. And I think that's exactly what this pitch clock is doing right now for baseball. Absolutely. So uh, like like we say, and uh, Len Casper said it last week, there was a lack of lollygagging. A lack of lollygagging. That's right. In baseball, it's snappy. Two hours, 26 minutes. Uh, And that's your ball game for the White Sox today as they beat the Reds in spring training. Black and Aki in for Waddle and Sylvie. The guys were on earlier today. Check out the podcast page if you missed the Waddle and Sylvie show in for the morning guys. Cap and Jay Hood right here on ESPN 1000. Check it out on the ESPN Chicago app. 
We're here till 8. Uh, Black and Abdallah will start things off at 6, but we've got the next hour and 12 minutes covered. And Tyler, really all eyes in the sports world right now have our, our attention on the NFL Combine in Indianapolis as the quarterbacks get set to participate over the weekend. Uh, Saturday they will be throwing the quarterbacks that are there. And then also the other piece of conversation is the big weigh-in for Bryce Young yes. because that is what we're looking at as as Bears fans we know this number 1 pick is very valuable and there are a lot of quarterbacks at the top of the board that's there's a lot of conversation about a lot of smoke and where there's smoke there's fire and there's a lot of teams in the NFL that do not have their guy for the future who may be looking to move up and it's all up to uh, Ryan Poles to take advantage of this situation. You know, the quarterback carousel this season, this offseason, I think is as fascinating as we've seen in recent memory. Because you've got big names, you've got guys who some people think can be those kind of uh, bridge quarterbacks as well yeah. within this. You've got Daniel Jones's name as a part of this mix, and people are talking about throwing $40 million at a guy like Daniel Jones, which... Godspeed to you if you do. but And then you've got an NFL draft class that's very polarizing. I mean, it feels like every single prospect at the quarterback position in this draft class yeah. is polarizing. There's going to be teams that love every single one of them. And that's why you look at everything that's going to take place over the next month with free agency and the trade market and the franchise tag prospects. And then once you get to the draft... It's going to make an absolutely fascinating two months of NFL offseason watching here. It, it will. And, and I think it, like what, what you lay out there with the veteran quarterbacks who are available, uh, it seems as if the ones who are available are not like guys that are really going to change the franchise. Now, I think you could make the argument that Derek Carr with the Jets, that turns into a playoff team, I would imagine, because the Jets are like, that perfect situation where they're really only missing a quarterback. And so, you know, that might be that spot. But outside of that, the name we focus on is Lamar Jackson. What will happen with Lamar Jackson? Mm -hmm. Will the Ravens and Jackson come to a a long-term deal? It's something that they've been going back and forth with for the last couple of seasons now. Uh, he's He's his own agent. So it's him basically versus the team in trying to negotiate uh, this new contract. Uh, on one hand, you, from Lamar Jackson's standpoint, he could argue he's a better player than Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun Watson got all of that guaranteed money from the Browns. They were dumb enough to give it to him and thus setting the precedent that a player like Jackson and his caliber would say, I deserve the same thing. I don't know if I agree with that because I don't know if I wouldn't have given that to Watson to right. begin with. But when when you look at it, if you're the Ravens, I don't see the incentive to really get done a long-term deal other than Jackson saying, I will not play football next season, right? Like, Which and, he very well could. And forcing a holdout, but unfortunately against that mindset would be if they franchise tag him and he just chooses not to play, they kick the can down the road an additional year. They can franchise tag him for two years and he has to play for those two years to be used, right? Like, so... If you're the Ravens, why would you give him a long-term deal? I'm with you. If I'm the Ravens right now, if you're not going to play my game, I'm not giving you a long-term contract. And I know Lamar Jackson's got the MVP under his belt, but let's be honest, I think the last two years, he's probably lost the Ravens more games than he's won them. 
when you look at some of the performances he's had late in games, how many times did we see the, it was like Action Network would tweet out the Ravens win probabilities in a bunch of games. And it was at like 95%, 99%. And then they go on to blow the game, right? Right. And it was a lot of those where there were some dumb plays by Lamar at the end of games. In some divisional games, you sort of see uh, the offense take the ball out of his hands a little bit as well. So, But if you're Lamar, you can point back and say, you know what? You guys haven't won anything, and you're going to be nothing without me, which is exactly the case, too. Like The Ravens need Lamar and... But I don't know if Lamar necessarily needs the Ravens, given how many different teams need quarterbacks right now. There's a lot of other situations out there. You bring up the Jets, right, with Mm -hmm. Derek Carr. I think that the Jets are the team that, you know, people lump them into the the Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr sweepstakes. But I think that Lamar Jackson would be interesting there because of the fact that you look at everyone talks about the rookie quarterback, right? Win under the rookie quarterback so you don't have to pay them. Mm-hmm. Well, the Jets are sort of operating from an inverse situation right now because think about all their talented pieces, right? Sauce Gardner, you've got Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, all these young pieces, Mackay Becton on the offensive line. There are a team they're a team pretty much solely constructed of rookie contracts right now, so you can afford to pay the quarterback for a couple years here. Right. And, and Lamar Jackson might fit into that mold there. No, you're right on, on that. And when you look at Lamar Jackson, you look at the last two seasons. He played 12 games in each of those seasons. And I know that's more than half of the year, but you're also still missing five-plus games You know, in, in those seasons, four games, five games, based on the, the, the added uh, 17th game to the NFL s- schedule. And, and I wonder if a team like Baltimore looks at this And they question the durability of a guy like this because a part of what makes him so dangerous is running the football, Mm -hmm. which is a concern that here in Chicago we have with our young quarterback, with Justin Fields. And I think it will be a concern when you look at those players at the top of the draft board like Bryce Young. Uh, The durability factor in all of this, is Lamar Jackson going to be durable for a five-year max contract in the NFL as your league quarterback when... As you mentioned, like not only did they have a hard time winning games at the end of games last season, but when Lamar Jackson's not there, they're not a playoff team. Like when he's there, they're a playoff team. They can contend without him. They are not that. So we'll continue talking football with you here on ESPN 1000. Black and Aki, we're in for Waddle and Sylvie. Waddle and Sylvie on Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Chicago.